Year 10. Winter. A man crouched, looking out upon the battlefield. Dusk is just beginning to set in. The lengthening shadows extended. Bodies were everywhere. The man stood, black cloak fluttering in the wind, the tip of his bone-white sword dug into the earth. King. The Lumen. They're falling back. The rear gate has failed. Just now? The rear guard was not even supposed to last this long. And I am no king. Today makes that shockingly clear, the man in black said. The Night King yanked his sword out of the ground and put it in his cloak, then turned his back to the corpse-strung battlefield and began walking back towards the main trench line. The first, second, and third had been overrun that the second had been a decoy, and the first cleverly hidden. The Grand United Army of Peace had never seen it coming. The Grand Army had 160,000 soldiers, 90,000 of which were from Shodan, 40,000 from the Lumen people, and the rest from the surrounding countries of Shodan, which Knight had a feeling would fall within the coming weeks. 160,000 troops against just 25,000 of Edenborn's finest. Yet, Edenborn had won. They had not just won the battle, but they had thoroughly slashed their enemy. The death toll, Knight would learn later, was 130,000 on the Grand Army's side, and just 6,000 on Edenborn's side had been killed. They had been outnumbered six to one, yet they remained standing. The Lumen part of the army fleeing back toward the borders and woods to hide in. Woods they knew would be too costly to fight through. Knight thought about it. A lot on his trek back to the camp. He stopped when he saw one of his soldiers' faces. She was dead. But he could tell it was one of his, because his army was the only one in the world that had female soldiers. He crouched down and brushed the dirt from her face. She looked just like his cousin or maybe even his mother. A tear rolled down his face when he realized he could barely remember either. He looked up towards the darkening sky, thinking. It had been almost exactly a decade since the last time he had seen either of them, because they were in a different world when he had been a different person. Before he had been enslaved, before he broke free, before his name was even Knight. What had been his name? It bothered him that he couldn't remember. He thought, my name, back then when I spoke English, before learning the native tongues, what had it been? He wondered to himself. He had forgotten his own name. He remembered his brother's name, his mother's name, his address, the password to his computer, but not his own name. He had forced himself, for years, to forget it. Year Zero. It was Thanksgiving in the United States of America. A 14-year-old boy named Skyler was headed down south with his parents and two brothers. The two brothers were twins. Also in the car was Skyler's cousin on his father's side. She didn't technically belong to the family, but she had her own room and hadn't even seen her abusive mother in almost two years. They were headed south to go to Skyler's grandparents on his mother's side, and their brand new mansion. 
Skyler sat at the very back of the car, doing the very thing that had gotten bullied at school, reading books most would not suspect for someone his age. Today it was the art of war. However, the one that had gotten him suspended was a detailed history of the most important inventions of the Industrial Revolution. It had gotten him suspended because after weeks of bullying, Skylar had been reading the book. It had been smacked out of his hand, and he finally snapped and punched the other child in the eye. They arrived at his grandmother's house. There were so many people there. Skylar wasn't in the mood. He had a headache for what seemed like days. Nothing had worked to get rid of the pain. In fact, it had only gotten worse. His parents planned to take him to go see the doctor this coming Monday if nothing had changed. So, while others talked and laughed, Skylar sat in the corner. The noise level only made his head feel worse, to the point where his vision became blurry. He stood up. His mom looked at him, a tad concerned, as he made his way into the bathroom. The kid sat down on the floor, clutching his head. It hurt so bad. Skylar looked up. Noise and light filled the room around him. It sounded like a thousand bells all ringing at once as a building collapsed around his head. Skylar stared at the oval of pure light and darkness that was spinning in front of him. There was the rushing of air. The portal was sucking the child into it. He grabbed onto the sink, but his grip was too weak. He was pulled through. As a child spun between space, between everything, he saw everything as everything in existence rushed around him. Light, sound, smell, all mixing together. And then, he landed in the dirt. The boy stumbled to his feet. He was no longer in his grandmother's home, in suburban America, but instead in the middle of the woods. Hello? There was no answer. Skylar looked up at the sky, filled with constellations and stars. He did not know. The meager fire he had was going to provide him with just enough warmth not to freeze to death that night. But through the cold, through the stress of that day, he had spent wandering through the woods. He had not realized that his pounding headache was gone. Skylar kept whispering to himself again and again, I want to go home. Year 10. Winter. Commander. Night blinked. He was standing in the command tent alone. The board was still laid out on the table for the battle plans that were now hours old. He made a noncommittal noise, and a man in a filthy uniform stepped in. Sunlight poured in. It was already dawn. Sir, permission to give you the latest reports? Permission granted, and no need for the formality, Moxon. Just go ahead. Moxon took a step forward, and Knight looked at him. He had a strange expression on his face and asked, Sir? I said, please give me the latest Moxon. Moxon looked even more concerned. Sir, do I need to call a doctor? Are you alright? No, Moxon. I said. He stopped himself, realizing what he'd just done. He had said, I said, not Ilota. Knight was speaking English a language no one in this world but himself understood. He took a deep breath, then mentally shifted his brain back into the proper language. My apologies. That was my... I'm tired. 
sorry. Please give me the reports. Moxon gave him the reports. He said that there was left of the Shodan army had turned and began to run home. Then the Black Guard had mobilized, and was herding the Lumen onward and back to their own lands. Lastly, he gave the news that Knight had been waiting to hear. The armies on the western side and the southern side of Shodan, eh, where the actual bulk of the Edenborn's armies were stationed, had already passed the Shodan's borders. Shodan and by proximity, their allies would fall. Their ploy had failed, and Edenborn had come out victorious once again. Blood, Moxon. There has been so much blood. I'm so tired of it. Moxon took a step forward. Knight, the surprise army advancing on the capital. What happened to them? Fifteen thousand troops landed in Crystal Harbor. They burned the village to the ground and started making their way through the hilly area and the forty-five-mile trip to the capital. In the Passage of Blood, as it's now called, they were interrupted, and fourteen thousand of the fifteen thousand men were killed. Moxon sat down. Thank the Lord. So, did you make it in time? I didn't believe that you could travel across the entire nation in only a few days. I made it in time. I'm glad the National Guard was able to stop them before they reached the capital. Knight raised his hand. No Moxon. The National Guard followed their orders and stayed in a defensive position around the capital city. Moxon looked up, confused. Then what the hell happened? I killed them. The commanders went for all-out glory and commanded their armies to kill me because I was just one man. They kept coming. Horror was crossing Knight's face. He had not realized what he was going to do. He knew he had to stop the army from getting to the capital, but didn't know how he was going to. I proved them right, he said. Every single rebel, every single nation that stands against me, I am the monster that they believed me to be. Sir, that's not true. Moxon stepped forward and put his hand on Knight's shoulder. He turned away from him, Moxon's hand falling away. Sir, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have to. What you did was necessary. And when will the cost of blood for my life be too high? When do we say it's enough? Knight stepped back out of the tent and stared at the battlefield. One thousand of the soldiers walked across the field. The army had already begun to mobilize, starting to move towards Shodan, as they moved to take the next country. It will fall within a month, Moxon. What will, Knight? The capital of Shodan. The nation will crumble. They have overcommitted to this battle. The barons will be retreating to their own territories to salvage what they can. It means that they will surrender. The capital will hold out to the bitter end, but they will fall. Isn't that a good thing? Maybe, but aren't we overextended? We are overcommitted to the invasion and capture of Shodan. What happened next, Moxon? What happens when we are spread too thin? If things fall apart in Shodan, it will send us reeling back to the core of Edenborn. 
I'm not sure we can survive something like that. Year three, summer. The clock ticked in front of him. The boy was now nameless. He built the clock himself. It had taken him weeks. But the other residents of the monastery did not know what he was trying to do. Nameless would one day be given the name and title of Night King. But for the last two years, he had been enslaved and called speechless. But that name no longer fit, and neither did the name Skylar. He had been given. So the other residents of the monastery simply called him Nameless. The boy stood up. The book is sitting on the desk. The book that he would use to change the world. The book that restored his faith. And it was the faith that would drive him to create Edenborn. The book was written in a far northern script, from the tribes on the edge of the desert. It was about the life, death, and resurrection of a savior. One of the worlds just like the savior known from the boy's own world. But the boy only felt regret. He had been at the monastery for just over two months. He had trained with the monks and learned more about their religion, but the guilt of what he had accidentally done haunted him. He had fled. All four of them had fled the farm. Then it all fell apart within hours of fleeing. The town had hunted all four of them down. Dogs, torches, everything. All of them had made a deal. That they would make sure at least one of them made it. Behind Nameless's back, the other three had said that they would make sure that at least he made it. They had all seen the suffering he had been through, and the other three knew he didn't belong there. He couldn't stay there. Knight would never know. He wouldn't know until two decades later. So, now he sat here, knowing that he had probably gotten those three men killed. The three men he had fled the farm with were in much worse physical shape than him. So, when the dogs were closing in, they did the only thing they thought they could. They let Nameless live. The last thing the eldest had said to him was, Make it better. Make it all better. Everything. Then, he was gone. And Nameless drifted down the river. They were dead because of him. Nameless stood up. He picked up the clock and hurled it against the wall. It shattered, pieces flying everywhere. Then he walked away. He had training to do. Year 21. Fall. Night stood on the edge of the balcony. It was almost a 200-foot drop from the tower to the ground. He stepped off, falling. The air rushed around him. The ground was hurtling towards him. As he fell, he whispered to himself, I just want to feel something again. The cloak of void spread out around him, air filling it. Knight twisted upwards and forced the air out of the cloak. His feet landed softly on the ground. The gardeners barely looked up as he passed them. He continued walking as he reached the gate, pushing it open and stepping out onto the rocky beach the waves washing up onto shore. Hey there, dear. It's been a while since we've talked. Three months to the day since you left on that damn ship. I can't do this without you. 
I can't keep doing this. They are all counting on me. The entire nation, they expect me to be strong. They expect me to be the Night King. They think I'm invincible. I never was. But you knew that. I was just a heartbroken kid, wasn't I? The Night King sunk down, the black cloak of void fluttering and disappearing around him, leaving just the man sitting in the sand. He sat looking out at the ocean, the ocean that had claimed the lives of his wife and both of his daughters. He had sent them away. His wife had agreed that it would be the best for all of them, and the colonies would have a stronger presence there. The plan had been so simple, so complete. The crown princess of Shodan would go with herself and the daughters of the Night King to the colony. There they would help establish order and help out at the frontier, and most importantly, they would be thousands of miles away from the Lumen in the east, away from danger. They would stay there for a few months. Night would put down the last of the rebels, bring peace to the eastern reaches of Edenborn. Then he would cross the ocean and join his family. But that was never to be. The man stumbled to his feet. The broken man. His will almost gone. The strength that the Night King once had. The strength of the dragon's blood. And the will of the man that controlled all of that power was bent. Nearly destroyed. Where once he had moved mountains. Now just standing on his own two feet was a challenge in of itself. He had lost the one thing that mattered most, his family. But as he straightened to his feet, he knew. He knew what came next. He knew what the fallout would be. The Night King would look weak. The enemies of Edenborn would expect him to fold, to give in, to surrender. But the man was broken. Skylar was just a man. A man who had lost everything in his life he had ever grown close to. He had lost his parents, sister, brothers, when he had made the jump. When he had been forced into this world, he had lost his friends. He had lost comrades. Now he had lost his own wife and children. Sky was broken. But the Night King was not. The Night King was the leader of the most powerful nation on the planet. He could not afford to break. He could not afford to give in, otherwise the dreams, the liberties, and freedoms of all of those people had died for would fall, and the knight would not allow that to happen. Knight's cloak began to swirl around him, coming from the necklace that hung just to the right of his heart. The void consumed him as he turned back towards the capital city, back towards the castle, back towards the nation and the people of that nation that owed him everything. Light turned his back on his family. He could not mourn his children. He could not stay in bed and cry. He couldn't do it. He couldn't afford it. And the human he was, the heart he still had, broke. But his will could not afford to crumble. Year 10. Winter. Night walked forward. The battle was officially over. 
most of the generals of the Grand United Army of Peace had been killed by the spies sent into the army by the ranks of Edenborn. So there weren't too many of them left. The highest-ranking man left from Shodan was a major, and from the other human nations, a few officers. The Lumen nations had fled entirely, declaring no peace or ceasefire. But the surviving soldiers had now been put to the unenviable task of cleaning up the thousands of bodies and burning them, the vultures circling overhead, pitching on the slowly rotting bodies. The remainder of Edenborn's army, numbered at just over 18,000, would be turning towards the city of Castaion, one of the chief six cities of Shodan. The city would fall within the week to the advance of the 18,000 troops and the Night King himself. Night slowed, his cloak fluttering around him. His sword weighed him down within his cloak, within the void that surrounded him and protected him. Yet, after all of this victory, after so many had fallen to Edenborn, he felt nothing but regret. In the last few days, thousands had died in his own hands. How much blood until all of this is over, until people can just be free, he said. Then started walking, going to rejoin his army and his country. This was the first installment of The Night King. There will probably, maybe-ish, be like 12 parts this year. Hopefully, maybe. Um, it jumps around a lot, which is why I would highly recommend visiting the timeline on the website, skyindustry.net. I know it just sounds like I'm advertising it, and I kind of am, but oh well. Again, the jumping around of the timeline is very intentional. So if it sounds messy... That was on purpose. I hope you enjoyed, and I hope you are having a good day. And as always, good night, good luck, and don't get lost.